This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Good morning. My name is Pastor Brad, and I am uh, here to tell you that I made my mark on Alaska this past week. It's true. Um, I was down at the Alaska Museum, and uh, it's just an incredible museum. I'm sure many of you have been there. If you haven't, you should. Take your kids. Learn. You'll learn about lots of stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm walking through the Alaska uh, Gallery, and I get to the Point in the gallery where it's describing how various church denominations sent missionaries up here to Alaska to begin to, to do the work of the kingdom all over the state of Alaska. And they listed a variety of denominations, the, the Roman Catholics, the Presbyterians, uh, the Methodists, and the Swedish convents. And, and I'm standing there, I'm going, the Swedish convents, it's the Swedish covenant, because that's what I am. And uh, my wife says, Brad, just, re- re- just relax, everything will be fine. No, I'm going right to the administration right now, and I'm going to tell them that they got the spelling wrong. And so I marched off, I got lost trying to find the, the, the door to the administration. I knocked, nobody answered. I knocked again a little harder, nobody answered. I pounded, and finally a really nice lady came to the door, and I said, do you know that you have misspelled uh, a word in your, in your uh, Alaska exhibit? And she goes, I, no, I didn't know that. And I, and I told her the story, and she said, well, here, I'll tell you what. You send me an email, tell me how it's supposed to be spelled, and we'll take care of it. I have made my mark <laughs> in Alaska. So here we are in the midst of a sermon series called Life Together, and you are thinking, okay, how, is, uh, how are we going to dive in and look at this important uh, theme this week? 
And today, if you were paying attention when we read the scripture, really what uh, we're going to kind of address today is what life together looks like when we have heavy burdens that we have to carry. Because you and I both know that life is hard. Now, I know some of us like to pretend that it isn't so hard. And so we, we go on our merry way, kind of gutting it out, making everybody think, or, tr- or thinking that we're making everybody think, that we got the world by the tail, when we, just like everybody else, have discovered that life is hard. And I think what Paul is trying to do in this text that we uh, read a moment ago, right on the heels of the text that we read last week, which was the fruit of the Spirit, is he's trying to put sort of concrete um, flesh on the bones of what life lived together looks like. And in this case, life is not meant to be lived alone. And I'm not talking about whether one's married or single or divorced. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about general. We are not meant to live alone. God is, of course, Paul says, the great burden bearer of our sins. But we, in our, uh, in our fellowship of faith, are also the burden bearers of one another. Sometimes when life gets really hard... Uh, we need people who come alongside of us to help us carry the challenges that we face in any particular moment of our life. As many of you already know, there was a time in my life a few years ago where I experienced severe depression and found myself unable, really, to get out of bed in the morning. I, I didn't have any energy. I would stay in bed until, till, as long as I could, and my life was kind of turned upside down for almost a year. And um, it was during that, or up until that time, I had been a pastor for a long time, and I preached this sermon many, many times, but I didn't really understand what I had been preaching all those years because I had never found myself in a place where I, I clearly needed someone to come alongside me and help carry my burdens. And there were five people who came into my life, not, you know, not counting my family and the, you know, the doctors and so on, because in, in some ways they have to walk with you, right? Or you pay them to walk with you. But I had five friends that came alongside me during the course of this experience that um, showed me that it was true what Paul is saying here today, that I could not make it through that period of my life by myself. And I think I alluded to the, to the one friend who called me up every single uh, morning and he said, I'll meet you at Starbucks at 9 o'clock. If you're not there, I will come to your house and I will pull you out of bed. I had another friend who called me every afternoon. He says, how you doing? You need to get out and take a walk. Every day, these friends walked with me. This is what Paul is suggesting. The good life is not a life that is free of, of trouble. It's not a life that's free of burden. So just stop trying to, to make others think that. The good life for Paul is a life that knows when to lean into God and when to lean on others when the going gets rough. The good life is not trying to muscle through the challenges that life presents all by ourselves. The good life is discovering our dependence upon God and a little help from friends 
along the way. John Scott, who is an Anglican cleric, puts it this way. He says, human friendship in which we bear one another's burdens is part of the purpose of God for his people. Human friendship in which we bear one another's burdens is part of the purpose of God for his people. Well, after uh, Paul engages us in verses 1 and 2 with the importance of being burden bearers for one another, he quickly moves in verse 3 and verse 4 in this text to some of the temptations that may occur if we begin to do this and don't watch out. And so so in verse 3, Paul says, If anyone thinks that they are something when they are nothing, they deceive themselves. On the one hand, it's a self-deception to think as we're helping people that have challenges in their lives that we, uh, we, we don't need anybody else's help. That's a self-deception. We do. And on the other hand, there's a warning here that we should not become too prideful just because we have come alongside somebody in their need and that's not our need. Right? Oh, man, am I glad that I don't have their problem. In the last couple of years, Roxy and I have had the privilege or the responsibility, I'm not sure which, of walking very closely next to two couples who have been very close friends of ours as they have uh, had marital problems, got separated, and in one case they divorced. And I can't tell you how hard that is to stay with them, to, to, to love them, to listen to them, to speak truth into their lives. One of the friends... Uh, on more than one occasion, I said to, to them, have you ever thought about the fact that, that you're an idiot? And that's the kind of hard burden-bearing, at least in this instance, that, that we had. You see, to be a burden-bearer on behalf of others is a great ministry that every Christian should be involved in. We should be looking out for others who need to have their burdens lifted. But it also requires us to have humility about the fact that that we have burdens too and that we might not, uh, we're not uh, insusceptible to to, to falling to some of the same burdens that others do. My my boys and I in the last uh, two or three years have started to go on a week-long hike in the wilderness. And uh, last year, we decided to do a hike on the Appalachian Trail in Vermont, on the Long Trail in Vermont. And uh, that's part of the Appalachian chain of trails. And, and uh, you know, my boys are young and strapping and healthy and fit and thin. You know, these are all things that I'm hoping for at some point in my life. But uh, so, so I carry, you know, 40 pounds of weight maybe, and I give them 60, 65. And it doesn't even phase them, Right. So on the first day of this hike on the Vermont Lawn Trail, um, it was sort of a mediocre day, a little cloudy, not very hot in July in New England. And uh, the thing you've got to know about um, the Appalachian Trail is, for some reason, when they built this trail, nobody believed in switchbacks. And so the trail just goes straight up or straight down. There's none of, there's none of this nice, you know, meandering trail. And, and we, we had hiked probably... Uh, probably 12 miles the first day. 
And in the last half mile of the first day, we got to a point on the trail where I looked up and it was stair step for as far as I could see. And I, you know, I'm just spent. By this point, I'm all by myself. My sons had gone way ahead of me. They had disappeared a long time ago. In fact, one of my sons, he, had, he, he wanted more weight, so he put rocks in his backpack. You know, it's, that's, I, I don't get that. Anyway, so here I am. I'm by myself on this trail. I know I've got to get to the next camp, and I'm looking up at this stair step, and I'm just thinking, God, what are you doing? You know, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be a bonding experience with my sons, and they're nowhere to be found. So I just go, you know, 10 steps, stop, take a drink, take 10 more steps. I mean, this is what it was like for me. And I thought, well, if I get there by tomorrow, it'll be fine. And then, out of the, out of the, in the distance, at the top of this, this trail of, of stairs, I saw somebody. And as they came down the stairs and got closer, I could recognize that it was my youngest son. And he wasn't wearing a backpack. And so that told me right away that, okay, we're close. And I thought he had just come to walk with me, to keep me company the rest of the way. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, can I carry your pack? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He put my pack on, and he ran up the stairs. <laughs> in, 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 in a certain way, what Paul is trying to suggest to us in this text is it takes humility to carry the burden of other people. And part of that humility is in recognizing when we have a need to be helped. To restore a person who has sinned or to come alongside someone and help them carry a heavy burden is not a point of pride. It's an opportunity to reveal the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that is at work in us. And the Spirit doesn't leave us without the resources that we need to engage in this kind of burden-bearing ministry. We, we've been given this fruit of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and, and so on so that as we come alongside one another, we can offer those gifts to one another. These are the tools, if you will, of burden-bearing. This is the mark of the Spirit's life in us being expressed in our humble acts of service to one another. Well, Paul moves from there in verses 5 through 8 to essentially describe for us what does this ministry of burden-bearing look like. And I have entitled this section, Our Good Intentions Aren't Enough. You know, we can talk about being uh, burden-bearers, coming alongside people, helping people in their need all we want. We can talk until the cows come home, but if we don't actually begin to extend ourselves to do that, you know, what's the point? So Paul goes on in verse 5, and he uses this image of sowing and reaping. It's a, it's a, it's a farming image to illustrate the principle of burden-bearing. He says, what we sow in, our, in the lives of others, we will reap the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, both in others and in ourselves. I mean, what we give away, what we do on behalf of others, 
is the sowing part, and the reaping is what the Spirit does as a result. Yet some of us attempt to sow into people's lives, and we expect different reaping coming back to us. You know what I'm talking about? We, we sow a seed of, of one kind, and we expect to get a different harvest. Some sow a seed of, of bitterness and discontentment, and they expect a harvest of joy and satisfaction. Well, it doesn't work that way. Paul's point is that good intentions are not enough. The practice of burden-bearing with the character of the fruit of the Spirit results in the recipient not only being thankful for our care, but also the recipient has a desire, perhaps, to, to take what they have discovered about burden-bearing and practice it someplace else. So, so you can actually pay it forward, if you will. Burden-bearing, I think what Paul is saying here, quite frankly, is, is it's contagious. When one person serves and supports another person, which leads to a desire of that person to do the same, and so on and so on. And then at verse 9, as we get to the end of this passage, let me read for you what Paul says again about doing good. He says, Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see, Paul understands that engaging in burden-bearing ministry is often tiring and it's difficult and it is most of the time without reward. And I know that many of you know that. But that should not dissuade us from doing good. Our motivation for service often dictates our ability to have long-term ministry. So, for example, if, if we agree to serve in some ministry out of guilt or manipulation or because the pastor asks us, guess what? That is not the right kind of motivation. Well, maybe if the pastor asks you, maybe. maybe. But if we, if we serve because we have been called by God, because we are compelled, because we read this text and it cuts to the heart of who we are as followers of Jesus, that's the kind of motivation that Paul's looking for. If we, if we serve and it's for the wrong motivation, I, I can guarantee you that it won't last very long. Or we'll get angry or we'll get bitter or we'll, get, you know, we'll start to blow it off because something more important comes along. But when we understand our calling to, to, to be a burden bearer in a particular situation, God gives us the ability to walk beside those situations longer than we could have ever imagined. And this calling, this calling, Frederick Beekner speaks about it like this. The place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I love this. The place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. That's the motivation for why we should come alongside people in this burden-bearing ministry. That's the place that I want to be. That's the experience that I want to have. 
I want to know the, the unutterable joy that comes from service by connecting my passions and ministry and my gifts to the very places where the world needs them. And, and right here and right now, it happens to be in Eagle River, Alaska. So Paul concludes this section at verse 10 by giving us a, a, a summary of what the mark of life together looks like. And he, he, he says, in effect, do good. Do good. Whatever you do, do good. And, 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 and don't misunderstand what Paul's trying to say here. We don't do good in order to earn points with God. Okay, that's not the purpose for doing good. So if that's what you're thinking, that's not right. We, we, we don't do good because somehow we mistakenly believe that our good deeds sort of cal- counterbalance our bad deeds, right? Okay, I yelled at you know, my child today, so I've got to do at least three really nice things to make up for that. No, that's not it either. We do good because that's what life together looks like. We do good to those who are in our spheres of influence And we do good to those who are part of our congregation because that's how the Spirit is made visible in us. And and there's no quick path. There's no easy path to spiritual success. There's only the daily willingness to be open to care for one another without expectation or without reward. Life together is designed for imperfect people like you and like me to share and to bear one another's burdens so that in the end we all benefit by, by the presence of God's Spirit that we all embody that accompanies uh, every act of service that we engage in. This is what life in the kingdom looks like this is the highest calling by which any of us could ever be called our our status in God's kingdom will not be determined by our rank or by how many medals we've won or by how many times we've been uh, given uh, advancements in our job Life together invites us to look out onto the landscape of humanity, recognizing our own humility and our own sense of need and saying, is there somebody who I can come alongside and help them carry their backpack up the rest of the stair step of the trail? That's what God's calling us to do. And as we prepare to come to the table this morning, I invite you to consider this not only as an invitation to receive all of the good gifts that God offers us in this this sacred act, but also I want you to understand that this is an invitation to come alongside those in your life, in your sphere of influence, whatever that may be, and in humility and grace to walk alongside of them. Life together was meant to be like this. So come to this table this morning, not because you have to, but because you may.
come not to testify that, that you're righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you're strong and don't need any help, but because you and I are weak. Not because we have any claim on God's grace, but because in our frailty and in our sin, we, you and I, stand in constant need of God's mercy and God's help. Come, not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and to pray for God's Spirit.